Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. Well, I tell you what, we're going to do a couple of different things here. Uh, we're about to ordain some people. I don't know if you've ever been in an ordination that I've done, but I think they're pretty good, personally. I do, I do it to stick. Like when I marry people, I do it to stick. Yeah. I've only had God tell me one couple in my life that don't marry them. So I knew there was something wrong, so I brought them in. That first, first counseling session, I always ask them for four. And Donna knows this. If you can't give me four, I'm not marrying you, period. So goodbye. <laughs> but uh, they made the first uh, time with me. And I said, uh, I'm just going to come truthful with you. I'm not going to marry you. Well, why not? I said, I don't know. You know. Why don't you tell me? Because you're not doing something right. Because God said not to lay my hands on you and not to marry you. So you just have to figure it out. Go, go quick marry by justice of the peace or something if you feel like that. Well, we're already married. So you lied to me on top of that. Definitely not going to marry you now. Of course, they're not here anymore that I know of. They may show up occasionally. I don't know. But people like that normally just show up every once in a while because that's the way they think about things. I'm not criticizing them. I'm just telling you the truth. People are just people. Unfortunately, that can be a problem. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just talking to you here a minute. So I don't know how. I'm going to do the, the ordination first because God said to go in that direction. So we're going to do that, and I'm going to go to, with me to Genesis 1, and we're going to look at some things. And we're, we're ordaining two ladies and a, ma- and a man, and they've already been in the ministry somewhat, you know, a lot in their life, especially the parents and their daughter. And I've been around them for about 20 years, isn't it, Erasmo, personally, about 18, 20, maybe? And, you know, I've seen the gifts move. I've seen the power of God on the, all three of them. So they asked to talk to me privately. And we went up, I went upstairs with them. None of the people with me went. And they said, we would just like you to ordain us. I said, I'd love to ordain you. So you're going to be at the Word and Spirit? And they said, yeah, well, I'll do it then right there. That will be good. So anyway, I'm just thrilled to be able to do that for all three of you. And give you a certificate. Not that you just stand on a certificate. You're standing on what's in you as a man and woman of God. Yeah, and let God bring it to pass, whatever. You know, listen to me. There's no top on this thing. Nobody knows it all. Nobody's seen it all. Nobody's done it all that I know about except Jesus. He isn't here anymore. You know that, don't you? He's in us but by his spirit. You know, Christ in us, the hope of glory. He's hoping that we're going to manifest that glory someday or another before we have to go home. So anyway, I'm just excited about it. And so I want you to listen to me. I'm primarily somewhat in here, but you could take it. Either way, because it talks about male and female. And let me say something. God doesn't check your gender before he anoints you. You know, just telling you that. It doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter to me if a person is a male or female. If they're anointed, then I want that. I respect them for that. And I would let people lay hands on me. You know, it wouldn't matter at all that they're male or female. That has nothing to do with it. And I don't understand that male chauvinist thing. In the modern day, like this church where I've pastored for over 30 years, more like 35 years, and somebody told me they didn't believe that. I said, well, you should have left my church a long time ago. I teach you smarter than that. You should have learned that the first month you were with me. So just go ahead and leave, why don't you? And he did, and I'm glad he did, because he didn't have any faith in ladies. But he married a lady, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> kind of confusing, sounds like to me. 
All right, Genesis 126 and following, and God said, this is what God said about it. It's not what I think about it, it's what God said about it. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said, go be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. There's a lot of teaching in this one verse. But I'm just showing you that he made us male and female. So we, we know that. And not male and male, not female and female. But, I mean, the television, the commercials, the way people think in our culture anymore. I'm just thankful I know all that already. I knew it when I was 15 years old. So I'm just talking to you here. But he didn't put a distinction. He just said it's, it's wrong for man to be alone. He, he would need some help. And I don't know about you, but I sure needed help. I'm glad my wife helped me all those years, almost 50 years with her. I think she got me broke in pretty good about things. So I want to talk to you a minute. Let's go to one other scripture in Romans 11. Now, you say, well, do you have to look at all these scriptures? Never say that in my presence. Say, you get to look at all these scriptures. That's the way you should think. If you're a real thinker, a real word person, not a play with it person, you're going to say, praise God, I get to look this too. Yeah, you get to look this up. Romans 11 and in verse 29, it says, For the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. And I say it this way, uh, you're, you're called, and we're talking in particular now about called to full-time ministry with these three over here. And, but we're all called generically or generally to God to be unto Him a good son or daughter. And if you can't be a good son or daughter to God, might, you wouldn't be a good son or daughter, daughter to me or any other th person that's a spiritual father. I'm not out gathering people either. Let me help you here. Yeah. About, about four out of ten stick, maybe two out of ten after two or three years. And it, and it decreases as you get older and people get snotty and get uppity and think they know everything the Father knows plus other stuff. I'm just talking. I'm just, I'm just a straight shooter. Okay. It says, for the gifts and calling of God. So I'm talking really about the calling, but he's to put this in this verse too, that there's gifts that go with every calling. See, the gifts I have, some other sons have some of that, but they're not me. They're not trying to be me. That's right. And I'm not trying to be them. It's just we're unique. We're not clones. He's just putting us out, you know. If you made 10 of these boxes, they'd all look alike. Right. But if they made one green or orange, you'd go, hey, what's that? Oh. That's their gifting. Okay. But I want you to see this for the gifts and calling are without repentance. There's people out there driving tractor trailer rigs that are probably apostles yep. and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers and some really going to be strong, so strong and anointed, maybe even stronger than any people have been in the earth so far. I'm not sure. We ought to be progressing. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so this is interesting. God never, this is what I'm saying. God never changed his mind. When you get to heaven, if you were supposed to be a prophet or an evangelist, a pastor, you're going to have to stand in that line. You're not going to get over here in some truck driver's line. So just remember that when you're planning to go on with your life and you're going to get to heaven, there's going to be judgment. God's going to say, well, what did you do about that? Yeah. And you're going to go, about what? Yeah. And then you're in trouble. Because I'm teaching you that right now. You have to figure this out. And it don't come in a day, in a week, in a month, even in a decade. I've been at this for, I've been saved 50 years already. A little more than that now, about 51. And anyway, you know, it took me 45 years to get where I'm at in the ministry. 45 years of dealing with people. And I still love people. Yeah. I don't agree with a lot of people, how they think about God or a lot of other things. But I try to love them my best and do my best to give them the, 
benefit of the doubt and walk like God works through me. Mercy and loving kind, tender mercies and loving kindness. Oh, what a verse. What, what a whole thing is that. Let me see here if I want to go any further. Let's go over to Ephesians 4. I may have a couple of scriptures I don't get out tonight, but I'm, I'm not in a rush to do this. But I do want to do justice by that because, in my opinion, this is a very sacred thing. It's like, it's like getting married or something. But you're getting married to God on a different level because you're committing your whole life to Him. And in dealing with people. And people are every different relative stages of life and relative stages of spirituality. So some people, you know, are just at the beginning or they've kept themselves at the beginning. I never kept anybody down. I've tried to enlarge everybody my whole life. I'm not apologizing for that. But some didn't want to go with me. They just didn't want to stretch their wings. You know, I'm just thankful for that. And then I had people in my life like Dr. Dufresne who was always stretching me. And I appreciated it and corrected me, and I appreciated that too. And I wasn't a baby. I didn't run off with my passy and my blanket. He wasn't gunning for me. He wasn't gunning for me, and I'm not gunning for you. But if you feel like I've violated something, that's fine. Just deal with it. Because the person that's next to you is who I'm talking to. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm talking to you and you just won't take it. Yeah. Some people have patterns, you know, some of them are terrible. But I, I'm not going to go down that trail too deep. Now, Ephesians 4, let's look at verse 8 first. And we're going to talk a few more scriptures. Then I'm going to read you a history about women in ministry. might be interesting to listen to this in a minute. But it says here in Ephesians 4 and verse 8, Wherefore... He saith, when he, le- when he ascended up on high, this is Jesus, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. I think it says he led captivity captive because he got the keys of hell and death back from the devil. He got our saying back for us like it was with Adam. He messed it totally up, but Jesus got everything back for us plus some. Because this is the new covenant. Jesus wasn't a new covenant person. You do know that, don't you? He walked under the old covenant. I'm not putting Jesus down. I hope you know that. But we're in a better covenant with his shed blood, but he couldn't shed it and still be in it, in his body. It had to die. All right. To put us in this level. But he gave, he gave gifts unto men. Now, it's unfortunate they put men here because this is not a male or female thing. The Greek word is people. So, again, this Bible's just proven what I've always said. God doesn't check your gender before he anoints you. I tell you, I've just, there's just been some powerful women preachers. I mean, my wife and I went to hear, uh, what was her name, uh, Vicki Jamison one time at Evangel Tabernacle. I'll never forget it. First time I'd ever seen her. And, you know, she was a little different. Now, of course, I'm a little different, too. I'll tell you about it. She started at the back of the church, had a little hanky in the mic. She started singing as she walked down the aisle and turned around a little bit. That, guy, that lady up there with lung cancer, you're, God's healing you. Thump, you heard her fall on the floor up there on, in the balcony. Then she take a couple of steps. God's given you a new heart over here, young man. He didn't give her his name. He said, you're young, about 30 years old. God's given you a new heart. And then she just kept on walking and singing. And we were about halfway back. And all of a sudden, Dinah says, what is that? I said, what? Oh, what's what? Oh, something's on my shoulders. I said, it's that anointing. She brought anointing with her. And it just, as she went down the aisles, it just covered us all around your shoulders up here. I don't know how to explain that, but I, I was confident of that, even though I didn't know much about it then. Then she got up and preached a little bit. I don't think she preached long. And I don't remember the scripture she used, but then she had a healing line. Diana got up and got in the line. It was all the way around the building yet already. And she got healed that night. It was just wonderful. We'd never heard, we'd heard of her, but never seen her. I was so glad to listen to her preach. And her ministry was kind of like Catherine Colbert, but not really. Maybe similar, but 
Anyway, she had words of knowledge and things like that. Vicki Jameson, so did uh, uh, the other lady I just mentioned. But look at verse 11 here. And he gave some, not all, and it's always written like that for these fivefold particularly. He gave some, not everybody's going to be an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But he says he gave some as apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the maturing, that should be that word there, it's what it is in the Greek. For the maturing of the saints to get up in maturity for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. I mean, we've had plenty of people involved in this that either brought food or purchased food to feed us back there. It's been great. And then they cleaned up after us. So I'm just saying, and you know, people in the parking lot, people doing this and that, running the tape table, just all running the sound tonight and all that. It says, uh, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. See, remember that little vision I had? That says it right there, the body of Christ. Remember I had Jesus' head in a chair? I know that sounds, it sounds sloppy to say it that way, but that's the way it was. <laughs> and it was only about 20 or 30 seconds. He said, what's wrong with this picture? I said, your body. He said, that's you in the body of Christ in the earth, Michael. I said, oh, I got it now. I'm sitting with him. Yeah, yeah amen. See, you can do things spiritually you could never do naturally. Right. It's impossible for all, even just this first row to sit on his lap. Right. See, so, but we're, we're a part of the body and we're in him supernaturally. God put us in Christ, seated with him, not below him or above him or beside him, with him. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I just appreciate God showing me that. And he says, until we come into the unity of the faith... And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, a mature man, same word, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So there's a fullness to get into of the anointing on every one of us. Now he lists the fivefold ministry here, but in the fivefold ministry, what are we doing? We're helping you to mature, and we're maturing as we learn to talk to you about it. Are you listening? And there's a fullness to get into. But I don't know a lot of people that are there yet, but I mean, I'm not there yet. I know that. There's a lot more for me to learn and do and experience. And Hallelujah. Well, let me see here. Let's go to Galatians a minute, chapter 3. Chapter 3, let me find my reference here. Verse 26 through 28 here. These are just, this is mainly these are in the Old Testament we're talking about other than Genesis. But we're seeing something here. Galatians 3, 26 and through 20, uh, 20 we could read through 29. Uh, it says, for as many of you, Galatians 3, 26, for as all the children of God are, are by faith in Christ Jesus, that's how we got there, for as many as you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, that means you were immersed into him. It didn't talk about water baptism here, I don't think. But you were put into Christ. Any man be what? In Christ. He's a new creature. She's a new creature. All right, let me read on here. I've been put... Put on Christ, you put him on almost like a garment because you're inside of him. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. This is a spiritual operation. Again, God's not taking favorites, male or female. He just says that all of us, whether we be male or female, whether we be of a certain nationality or whatever, that we're in him together. We're all one in Christ. It's just stop every war in the world that people thought like that. But that's probably not going to be that way until Jesus comes. Verse 29, and if you be Christ, if you belong to him, you're part of him, then are you Abraham's seed? He refers to him because he's the one that had that covenant back in the Genesis. And heirs together to the promise. So praise God, what a deal. Are you listening to me? 
I'm going to say a couple other things. I'm going to read a little bit of this history here that I did some study on, work on a while back. And it's, this is historical evidences in the early church. There are evidences that women were involved in teaching and preaching during the first several centuries of church history. Like from the very beginning. It says, as they were gifted, as they were gifted of the Lord and by the Holy Ghost. It says, Justin Martyr. He lived until about A.D. 150, says in his dialogue with Trypho, the Jew, the Jew, the both men and women were seen among them that had extraordinary gifts of the Spirit of God. See, they believed in that. Yeah. That was just, just the next generation after Jesus came. And then it says here, let me see, it says, uh, and Dodwell in his dissertations of Irenaeus says that the gifts of the Spirit of prophecy was given to others besides the apostles, and that not only in the first and second, but in the third century, even to the time of Constantine, men had these gifts, yea, and women too. Tertullian, he was a church father way back, you know, first hundred years there, somewhere. One of the earliest Latin fathers notes that women appear in every early reference to ecclesiastical orders. They were in the ministry. That's what that means. It's a big, big word that just means they were in the ministry. Four titles he wrote are applied to the women at this point. Now, this is just fourth century. Uh, women, uh, let me see here. They were called widows, deaconesses, presbyters, and virgins. And the former, he adds, an apostolic order too was on them. I'm going to show you that in a minute in Romans 16. Marcella preached Christianity publicly in Rome. And Jerome, born about 340 A.D., and the translator of the Latin Vulgate Bible writes of her, all that I learned with great study... The blessed Marcella learnt also, but with great facility. In other words, she was smart. He also celebrated her immense influence for good in Rome. These are all women. Yes, sir. Then it says, uh, in the catacombs found over, you know, in the Holy Land, there was always found representations of women clergy, and they are shown presiding at the Lord's Supper. That was kind of an elevated position to take the Lord's Supper from one of these people. And there was a great bunch of them that did that, and women were a part of that too. Mabillion, a French writer on ecclesiastical biography, this isn't too heady as it for you. Just skip the big words and just listen to the thrust. <laughs> that's what I've done all my life. Yeah, sometimes I looked them up, but I didn't use it again. It's too difficult. It didn't make sense. He says, uh, he says he was writing about ecclesiastical biography of certain people in, in antiquities, records that the evangelization Evangelization of Europe was due in great part to the nuns of St. Benedict, many of whom publicly preached the gospel. I'm telling you, God's doing something in the Catholics too, in my opinion, right now. Okay, I'm just a side thought. Whether you like it or not, I'm just going to say it. <coughs> uh, let's see. Among the Montanists, who were the evangelicals of the third century, Priscilla and Maximina, ladies of rank, served as evangelists over a wide extent of country. Uh, women were elected by the Montanists as deacons, pastors, presidents, presbyters, or even bishops. Opinions vary as to when the recognized order of women clergy died, died out. I'll agree it lingered no longer, it lingered a little further in the East than in the West. It seems that if the decay of women's ministry took place with the decay of Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we all, we, we say we're word people. I, I, I got this from somebody else that was smarter than me. Just talking about women. I never had an attitude anyway. I mean, if somebody's belligerent, I got an attitude about them. Being smart aleck, but <laughs> women or men. 
Or dog too. All right. But I thought that was interesting. When the church began to decline, some of this stuff began to drop away. Eusebius of the 4th century, he was another church father, so to speak, speaks of Pantomania, Amias, a prophetess in Philadelphia, and others who were equally distinguished for their love and zeal in the cause of Christ. Hallelujah. Let me just read a little bit more here. This is women's place and, and ministry in Christ. Women may be born again of the Holy Ghost, of course, and become new creatures in Christ, even as men. Women may receive the Holy Spirit baptism and anointing as well as men. And he lists the scriptures. And then he said, pour out your spirit on the sons and daughters, servants and handmaids. So it wasn't just one or the other, it's both. Men and women may speak in tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. Both men and women were baptized into the one body of Christ. Uh, it says men and women are together priests. It is no longer a Levitical priesthood. I've told you that about 15,000 times. I'm not a Levitical priest. I'm a New Testament priest. I'm in the royal priesthood. You are too. All right, you need to think like that. Just think of your royalty. It doesn't matter to everybody knows that, not God knows it. And his favor will be on you to the degree you believe you're a part of a royal priesthood. It says, men and women uh, are together priests in the New Covenant Church. It's no longer a Levitical priesthood available only for one tribe of a chosen nation or a chosen nation, but for men and women. First Peter 2 and Revelation 9 and so forth. Anyway, that's pretty good, I think. Let's go to Romans a minute, Romans 16. And I want to bring to your attention something that I found one day when I was reading my Bible. It's been a long time now. Not a long time in reading it, but a long time of get understanding what he was saying here in Romans 16. Starting in verse 1, about down to verse 7. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant. That word means deacon. You can look it up in any dictionary, a Greek dictionary or something like that, or theological dictionary. I commend you to Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant or a deacon of the church, which is at Sincrea, and that you receive her in the Lord as become a saint, and that you assist her. This is a high thing for Paul to say this. That you assist her in whatever business she hath need of you. In other words, get on board and help her. She's anointed to do this, and she needs your help too. In whatever business that she hath need of you, for she has been a secure, that's a big word that just means a great help. Of many, not a few, but many, and of myself also. So she not only helped the whole body of Christ, at least in her area of influence, but she helped Paul. And he's commending her for that. And in verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla is the woman. And it's evident her and her husband had a church. We're going to read about it in just a second. But it would indicate, too, that the law first said that in a couple, it was Priscilla that was the most anointed, not her husband. Now, he could have been anointed too, but he, he, God put her first in the calling of that. See, we're just talking about, and we don't only talk about this on Sunday morning. That don't matter. We just want people to get healed and saved. You know what I mean? Yeah, or delivered. And he said, they're my helpers in Christ Jesus. Think about that. Paul's telling all of us that Priscilla, her name's still living in here, and she's still alive, and Aquila, for being great helpers to him in Christ Jesus, who have for my life, for Paul's life, laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. I likewise greet the church that is in their house. That's Priscilla and Aquila. Salute my well-beloved Eponidas, who is the first fruits of Achaia. That would refer to him being born again, the first fruit. Unto Christ, greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, and my fellow prisoners who are of the note among the apostles. 
who also were in Christ before me. So he gives us this word, Junia, is in the feminine context. And not only was she an apostle, she was of note among the apostles. You know, if you, if you had, uh, you know, 20 pastors lined up, they're all of note to God. He respects all of us the best he can. I'm not a pastor, but still, you understand, a ministry gift. But he says that, uh, let me find it here, Andronicus and Junia were close to him, his kinsmen, and my fellow prisoners who were of note among the apostles, and that they were in Christ before he got into him. Think of that. So we've got a deacon, a pastor, and her husband, and an apostle who was of note. Mm-hmm. See, I mean, I'd say that about somebody like a, I don't know, you know, Germany, what was it? Africa shall be saved. He's kind of an apostolic guy myself. I think he was. Mm-hmm. Are you listening? But there's this one right there, Michael Rabel. He may not be in the history books, but he's in my book. Okay. So there's three different women here talked about in the positions of authority to some level. Are you listening? And diverse and all that. So. I want to read something here, and then we're going to, I'm going to lay hands on these three in just a minute here. Um, I want to tell you, with my life, where are you at? You're over here. With my life, I learned some things I think is important. First of all, I'm quick to repent when I'm wrong. That's what kept me alive this long. I'm quick to repent. If I do something wrong, it bothers me. And it should bother all of us if we do something wrong. <laughs> if we're convicted and you sense down here something's not right, you need to hurry up and get with God and figure that out and repent. And then number two, I'm quick, quick to forgive people that didn't like me and were mean to me, said things nasty about me and different things like that. I'm just quick to forgive people. Amen. I don't try to fellowship with them sometimes, but I will forgive them. You can do whatever you want with that. I'm just telling you. I'm quick to repent when I do something wrong against God, and I'm quick to forgive others when they do something wrong against me. And number three, I, I don't limit God. Psalm 78, 41. It says in that verse that they limited the Holy One of Israel. They turned back and limited him. They didn't believe he could do everything he said, so they just turned and run, for, run from him instead of going back to him. You know all those people in the wilderness, they could have all lived. You could get to, where were they going, Canaan? In a couple of days, I think. And they just stumbled around the desert like a bunch of goonies. I don't know what's the matter with them. And God gave them the Ten Commandments. And he came back from the mountain, and they're committing an orgy down here. I mean, it's massive. It's just critical, man. I mean, he broke the first habits. He's got to go back up and get another set. Anyway, now I want to read this and then I'll be done with this part of our ordination. This is an interpretation from Rick Renner, who I believe is a really good interpreter of the Greek to the English. I mean, you know, I can look up a word, a Greek word, I'm smart enough to do that, but I'm not like him. And I got this from somebody and I've kept it and I've read it in every ordination since then. This is his interpretation of 1 Timothy 4. 13 through 16 from his interpretation from the Greek. I mean, he could take one little word and make a three-page deal out of it. I've, I've read it after him. He's a smart guy, but he's a spiritual man. He says, till I come, you must continue consistently and habitually giving yourself to the reading of Scripture, number one. Then say, become a great preacher, be a reader of Scripture. See, if you don't read the Bible every day, that shows what you think of it. Not much. All right. Uh, I'm not trying to convict you. I'm just trying to talk to you straight here. And you should do that even if you're just a good sheep. I would expect at least that. Not for the sake of a sermon they're not reading the Bible, but for the sake of your own personal growth. That's always number one to God, that you're personally growing. Whether other people observe it or not, it's not your problem. So I just keep moving with God the best I can. And I, like I said, I repent if I miss it and forgive if they missed it. 
This growth should first be reflected by deep spiritual fellowship around the Word with your closest friends. I don't know when I read that. I remember that time, Dennis, you and Angie. Uh, she's back here somewhere. It was a minute ago. There she is. She's over here now. Look out. She may come up and ask you to move over. Now, we were at a hotel in Mexico City, and it's kind of a funny story. I'm going to interrupt my teaching for a minute. So the Mexicans, I love them. The best culture, I think, in the earth. I'm trying not to be prejudiced, but... And they would... <laughs> you Americans are just different, too. But anyway, I won't talk about it. The Germans and the Navajo Indians are the most stoic people I've ever met in my life. I got out of the truck. I put my hand out to shake it, and they went like this. Gotcha. They didn't say anything. Yeah, okay. You didn't get that, but... Anyway, I was down in Mexico City, and what I was going to say is, the people there, they kiss you on the cheek, but they don't mean anything by it, like they're coming on to you. That's just their custom. No, I'm serious with you. Are you listening? I mean, if I thought it was other, I'd say, get away from me. I'm not here for that. You know what I mean? You're acting so stoic on me. All right. But anyway, we were, and we were trying, I was trying to get in a hotel, and there was about 15 of us. You may remember this. <laughs> And what happens is you want to, we want to stop talking for a minute. I go, I'm going in. And then somebody in the group started another conversation. So we wait on them, and they get down 10, 15 minutes later. Then we got to go around and hug everybody one more time, get kissed on the cheek one more time. So after about six times that happened, I said, don't touch me, don't kiss me, I'm gone. Bye. I ran in the hotel to hide out. <laughs> it was just sweet that I did that. I wasn't mad at them. But, you know, they just, I'm tired. I've been awake. I've been preaching. I've been ministering to people. And they did, whoever started a conversation, whether it was interesting or not, you had to listen. <laughs> but that's the funnest group of people I've ever been with, the Mexicans. Yeah. And others, too, of that background a little bit. So we were there. What I was going to tell is me and you, me and Angie, were in that hotel. We had a little private room upstairs. You could get coffee or a sandwich. You remember that? And we sat, went in there one day, and we just started talking, the three of us. And people came. People talked and left. They talked with their friends. And we were there for four or five hours. And we forgot what time it was. It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We were up there at 11. And we were just talking about the Word of God, God. hanging out in that room. Well, I think we ordered some food somewhere down there. They had a phone there. We would like food up here. <laughs> they brought it, and we ate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It says, this should stir out what you do. Read the word and you're reading it for the right reason, to love God and stay close to him. You, this should begin to be reflected in deep spiritual fellowship around the word with your closest friends. Then finally, this growth will be reflected as you minister God's word publicly. Your public ministry, however, this is important because people always want the pulpit. They think they have a right to it. Well, you don't have a right to it unless God gives it to you. I'm not against people speaking, but sometimes people are just pushy. And you you got to do what I do to get this, or somebody else that knows what they're doing. Thank you so much. And it says, uh, this growth will be reflected as you minister God's word publicly that you've done the other. Your public ministry, however, should be an overflow. I remember John Osteen said that continually. Your, your preaching sermons would come from an overflow of your study time, your reflective time with God, your prayer time, your worship time. I'm adding that two things in there, but he meant it anyway. I know that. And then he says, and it, it, public ministry is a result of personal growth. Yes. You know, I, I would hope that some of my sons would observe that maybe I'm not the same person I was seven years ago or five years ago. Certainly not 25 years ago. 
And some of you didn't even know me 25 years ago. Dale knew me like 40 years ago, didn't you, Dale? Yes. You've seen some changes in me. Hopefully for the better, but... You say, this says, do not continue neglecting and ignoring the gift in your life. That's more about the spiritual gifts. We were reading it in Romans. It is a supernatural endowment full of power and ability. Regardless of how much you've already done, the gift in you is so powerful, it can do more. Man, that's a powerful word right there. Uh, and then it says, regardless of how much you've already done, the gift in you is so powerful, it can do more. When God gave it to you, he also gave a prophecy as the elders laid hands on you. This is out of Timothy. God told you specifically that he would do through your ministry, what he would do through your ministry. Have you fulfilled all that prophecy? I go back and check myself on the prophecies. I have it in my Bible, all the words that Dr. Dufresne, I think there's some in there by Pastor Nancy too. If I've done that and fulfilled it, and I certainly haven't yet, I'm still working on it. And then he says, let me see. Then you must start yielding to the gift in a greater way. You have a mission to fulfill. See, even though you think you're doing some of it, maybe you're not doing it to the extent you need to. Or maybe he says, I don't want you doing that as much. I want you to do this for a while. And that all comes from hearing from God. That's another, that's another, another episode. He says, take special time and care to cultivate these gifts. They will not develop by accident. You must decide to develop them. You must decide. You must decide. I have to decide. Give yourself to them completely. Be consumed with them. Given to them and almost driven until you feel you're up to your ears in them. Then you will really begin to grow. You'll begin to forge new frontiers. And everyone will see your growth and be encouraged to follow. Understand that your personal development is the first priority in your life. This is all out of 1 Timothy 4. Understand your personal development is the first priority in your life. Grab hold on yourself and determine to cultivate growth in your life and grab hold firmly on the doctrine. In fact, you must stay right by the word and make it your number one business. For in doing this, you will personally experience a new measure of salvation and deliverance, and them that hear you preach and teach will be changed too. What a word. I really appreciate him saying all that, don't you? Really, really moving and powerful. So we're going to, uh, and I asked... Uh, Dr. Hatterball and Dr. Rogan to come up with me to lay hands on these folks. And then I'm going to do a little serenade maybe in a few minutes. It's not going to go a real long time. But I did pretty good. That says 34 minutes. So uh, why don't you come up, Rosmo and Myrna and Mimi and uh, Pastor Rogan, Dr. Rogan, Dr. Just come up here a little closer to me. And then I'm going to have them lay hands on you with me. Hallelujah. I'm excited. Praise the Lord. Hey, Justice, bring me one of those uh, folder things, the black on top of the table there. Let me have one of those. We have one for all of you, but I just wanted to, I think we put it in a case for you like that oh, to start. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and you, if you like a different color, then you can go to the store and get you one, you know, a different color. This says, a certificate of ordination. We, the undersigned upon the recommendation and request of the church body, which had full and sufficient opportunity for judging and examining God-given gifts. You know, I've been with him 18 or 20 years. I keep saying that. I don't think you realize what that means. How many of you have you been with me for 20 years? Well, there's some. That's a pretty good group, but there's still not everybody. And I've had a lot, and we didn't ask their leadership because they asked me to do it, but I've been around them a long time. I want to say something about Mirna right here. I don't know if this is yours or yours. It's hers, okay. But this Mirna here, that's the mother. She asked me a question one time in, in Mexico. Nobody's ever asked me that. Said, is there anything I could do to make your meetings better, yeah, Dr. Sure. Jacobs? This is her talking to me at lunch. I said, well, you don't have to sing for 50 minutes to get the anointing on me. 
If you just sing one song or two, that'd be maybe three if you want. I'm not telling you what to do. It's your church. But if you want to help me, I would be sure you got the right songs I need. And, you know, she didn't say, well, I don't like that. I, I'm not going to do that. She just smiled and said, okay. And she just changed instantly. Now, when I'm not there, they may do 20 songs or 15 or 10 or 8. Or maybe she's still doing one. But that, she asked me the question, and I answered her directly, not putting her down. She's a great singer, and so is she. And so I'm just talking about somebody's attitude. Yeah. 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 Most people would have, they wouldn't even ask me that because they'd think I'd say something that bugged them. Yeah. But if she was bugged, I couldn't see it. Yeah. I didn't discern it. She was just trying to figure out how to help me more as a person and as a praise leader. I appreciated that so much. It stood out to me. And uh, Pastor Rossmill, the same way, we had a big talk about, I said to him a couple of years ago, how can I help you more? I'd like to be, if you want to put me on the board, I would like to get you a decent salary. And he said, Dr. Jacobs, I went, came up ever since you started coming here 18 years ago. I don't need you to do that. Do you remember coming from the airport, you and you and you were with in the same car? Nobody's ever said that to me. I've been changing since you first got in our life. Yeah. And then what they were doing, they were really doing wonderful things, but this is what happened. I'm just talking some personal comments so you know we're not stupid and we're not gullible. Because somebody asked me to ordain him, I don't know you, you can forget it, and I'm not going to do anything like that. But uh, we got to talking one day, and they used to put me in that hotel we were in. I was there at their request, and they rented the big hall downstairs, the Crown Plaza Hotel. It's a lot of money to rent a 400-seat auditorium. So there was, four, there was 40 or 50 preachers that came to that meeting. Yeah. So I just wanted to know, and I said, Russell Rosmo, did any of those preachers help you at all, pay for that? Not a one. I said, not a one. I said, don't put me in a building like that anymore. If they're that cheap, I'll just come to your church and preach to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. He said, thank you. Because, see, that's not right. I don't care how you slice and dice it, it's not right. That's like me trying to bring Dr. Dufresne to Freedom Hall, and I would advertise it and had six pesters show up and say they were going to do something. They didn't do a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and they stuck me with the whole bill. Yeah. That's not right. I don't care how you cut it. Yeah. Anyway, so I said, please, I know you did it out of love for me. And there was a comment made between the two of these I found out later. I think it was Mirna. She said, if I have to sell my car and not dishonor Dr. Jacobs, I'll sell it. Yes. What kind of people think like that? Yeah. I think maybe a few of you might, but I'm not sure. Yeah. It's not about me. It's about their mentality right. towards the yeah. ministry yeah. office I stand yeah. in and trying to help me, you know, feel like I did what I should do. But I said, I don't want to pay anymore. That's a big tax thing. That's a big money thing for you to think about. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know you were doing it to begin with, or I would have said, don't do it. Mm-hmm. If, if you're, they're not helping you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 50 pastors, nobody's paying a dime except them. And we're in a pretty big hotel there. It's a massive. It's Crown Plaza. It's top of the line for Hilton, I think. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, I, was just, I just thought you'd like to know some things like that. Normally I don't talk like that, but I think you're big enough people to hear me and listen to what I'm saying and not like, well, that's just Dr. Jacob. Yeah, that's me. You're right. It's me. But I take a valuation of some things like that and try to figure out how I could be a better help to them. So I said, let's concentrate on getting you a new building, which we did. We helped some. And I think, the, I know Pastor, uh, yeah, they, they helped us too financially to get them in their building. And this recently, I think you got that paid off by somebody. Paid off totally. Hallelujah. Debt free. So let's just focus towards that. And then we come, we always have the place packed out other than Cubid, not Cubid. What's it called? The disease. 
COVID. <laughs> you said that here. <laughs> we respect you and we love you and believe that God's going to elevate things for you. And I'm, I'm honored to minister to you and these two men too. I ask him to help me. And they love you too dearly. Uh, Pastor Keith's got a lot of grandchildren right now. I don't think he's coming in February, but Pastor Dennis is. And a few of my other sons right now. So, Yeah, we would love to come. I like being around people that are integrous. And uh, so, you know, don't get upset with me. I'm just doing what I'm doing. You know, if you, I didn't ask you to come, it's because I didn't ask you to come. But you can go back with me someday in the future if you behave yourself. <laughs> I'll put something in there that'll stick. <laughs> No, I just wanted to bring just a smaller group for the last couple of times, so that's what I did. Can you do that? I sure can. Yeah, I'm not trying to manipulate anything, but I brought a lot of you to Mexico in my lifetime, probably 150 people out of this church. For 35 years, you know, I've been traveling. So anyway, I'm just excited to pray for you. Let's start right over here, gentlemen. Father, we lay hands on her. Lay your hands on her, gentlemen. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, we receive her into the ministry, and we anoint her with fresh oil from heaven to use her greatly and help her and show her what she needs to do and how she needs to proceed. And we thank you she will do it in the name of Jesus. Let every gift of the Spirit that's in her and that you put upon her function with great accuracy and authority and power in the name of Jesus. Do you, you gentlemen have anything to add to that? Pastor Keith? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. The office, the office that has been imparted to you, remember, it's not in your gender, it's in your spirit. Mm -hmm. The mantle is resting on your spirit. Yes. Hallelujah. That it? So as you pursue me, mm -hmm. as you pursue me with your spirit, then I'll minister. I'll minister through your soul, through your body to bless the mm -hmm. people. Thank you. But I'm starting with your spirit, so never be intimidated. Thank you, Father. Never be intimidated by your gender. Mm -hmm. Because I'm pouring out this office on your spirit and you'll serve me out of your spirit mm -hmm. you'll minister out of your spirit so as you pray in the spirit the office the office shall come to the forefront as you live with your spirit in the forefront mm -hmm. and I'll bless the people and bring the house up mm -hmm. because of what I'm putting in your spirit yes Father Hallelujah. All right. All right, Pastor Rosmo, we lay hands on you, sir. Bless you. And we release you into a higher level than you've had heretofore. Yeah. That's right. And the church is going to begin to grow more than it ever has. Mm -hmm. And God's going to make that a house of joy, a house of strength. It already is, but it's coming up to a new level, a house of the anointing, a house where there's signs and wonders and miracles. There already has been, but it'll come with much more accuracy and much more power, much more, if I could say it this way, in the punch, it's delivered, and it'll change people, and they'll begin to hear you as a different person. You've been there, Pastor, a long time, you and Myrna, but it's coming a new change in things because we're in a new era 
of time and the gifts of the Spirit are coming to the forefront once again. God's changing things and helping us and helping us to move in the fullness of the Spirit like Ephesians 4 says in Jesus' name. So just take it, receive it, begin to yield to it and walk in it, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. The money's changing too. You're yeah. going to see that You're coming up financially too mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Gentlemen, you have anything to add? Yeah. Um, the anointing on your life is increasing this night because of what you've been giving yourself to, you've prepared yourself for a greater level of anointing to walk in. Mm-hmm. And as you begin to walk in this anointing, you'll see things that used to be really more of a struggle just starting to flow. Mm-hmm. Because your words will be like the ripples of water. They'll begin to go further and further out. And as they go further and further out, you'll have a greater level of increase in that region. Mm -hmm. For your words are like rippled water moving forth. And it'll bring in the harvest into your place. Mm -hmm. And all the money uh and other buildings that you don't have now will come. And it'll flow. As you send those words out, things will begin to move Mm -hmm. by the Spirit. For it's done in the spirit, it's not done in the flesh. But those words that you speak in the spirit mm-hmm. have a greater increase of anointing on them now. Yes. To fulfill the plan of God. And the yeah. finances will flow and it'll keep flowing. Mm-hmm. And that which has been a struggle there will become a strength. Mm-hmm. And many that come will begin to be lifted out of poverty, even in the area that is impoverished. Mm-hmm. And people will begin to say, how did you do this? And it'll come back to the local church. And people will begin to come, and you'll begin to lay hands, and you'll begin to teach, and they'll become disciples. And a great work will be wrought in that region, say it's the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Good, Pastor Keith? Okay. You're welcome. Step up a little bit where they can just move up a little where you get hands on you better. And Father, we thank you for Myrna. We thank you for her a tender spirit towards you and tender spirit towards me as their spiritual father. We thank you for her. We thank you for the anointing on her life. We thank you for healing her two times of cancer and making her whole and making her strong. And, and making her sweet and just a very humble person. Yes. And we call the anointing of God to come on her greater than she's yeah. ever known, Father. And begin to move out in the spirit even beyond where she's been and help people be healed or delivered or whatever they need would be. And we thank you for that. It's coming afresh and new upon her. And you're raising up other people to take some things off of her, perhaps, mm-hmm. I feel, 
They're going to be raised up, or maybe you already know who they are, Myrna, mm -hmm. you and Pastor Rosmo, I don't know. But begin to designate and de delegate that out when God shows you so you have extra time to pray, rest, study, minister to the Lord. And God's going to take you to a new place in the Spirit. It's going to be a wonderful place. Yeah. Although you've already been walking in the Spirit, but this is going to be a fresh turn, a fresh day, a fresh thing for you in the name of Jesus. And God's going to use all three of you mightily yeah. in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Gentlemen, you have anything? I have a tongue. Okay. Now you've been faithful, saith the Lord, in my place I put you. You've been a humble servant to me. And you've been other people before you many times. But there's coming a new day for you, a greater day for you. And not only will you heal of cancer, you're going to see people heal of cancer when you pray for them in the name of Jesus. And you're going to have other kinds of miracles that flow out of you. And maybe some of the utterance gifts, I think, are going to begin to be a part of you, either prophecy or tongues or interpretations. And as you yield to it, it'll bring a freshness to the whole service, a freshness to the whole room, wherever you're at. And so begin to yield to me in those areas and just spend some extra time praying in tongues. And I'll show you how to go in that direction even further than you've been till now. And we thank you for it, Father. There's a freshness on what she's doing, what she is, and where she's going. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So magnify. Magnify. So magnify the office. I said magnify the office. Make much of the office. Honor the office. And it shall all come to pass. It shall all come to pass to bless my people and bring up my house. Thank you. And perfect my house for the days are coming. Magnify. Make much of it. Hallelujah. Praise the mantle. Mm -hmm. I'm resting on this house mm -hmm. and on this family. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Father. Let's all stand up in the congregation a minute. Thank you, Dan. Here you go. Hallelujah. Let's thank him for this. What a moment. What a moment. What a moment. I call it a holy moment when God does something special for a family or a people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You're, you're welcome. Love you, that. Love you, too. You're welcome. Love you. Thank you for everything. Love you, too. Thank you. What a precious family. Let's thank God for them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for putting precious families together. Hallelujah. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to appreciate people that are just different, stable, and right, and all that kind of thing, that they could uh, do what they do. See, I just told you a lot of personal things I normally wouldn't tell. I'm really just bragging about them. Because most people don't function like they do where I go. Some do, but some are way behind on that. Like, is there anything I could do for you to make this better? You know, I mean, a few have asked me that, but it's rare. Anyway, praise God. I'm not putting anybody down, I'm just talking. 
know. But if you have things in you like that and your heart's turned right towards different people, you could, you could do that and you're not afraid of what they'd say. That's what I'm saying. Other people can't, maybe don't feel they could do that. I don't know. I'm not a mean person. But if I see you in trouble, I might say, you ever thought about this or that or, you know, just trying to help them. Sometimes people don't have any voice in their life other than their own. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's good. All right, I think you can be seated. I'm going to do my best to talk to you a little bit tonight. I don't know if I'm going to do very much on prophets, but I'll talk to you in just a second here. Let's go over to Matthew 14 and just park there a minute. I'm going to, uh, I've got a lot of things up here, but I'm not going to take real long. Uh, how long is, how long I've been preaching? Does anybody know? Okay, thank you. I'm not going to take real long because I don't want to do that to you. I'll expend all my anointing out, and I wanted to pray for some people. I just wanted to uh, do some little, just a little talk with you on some things that I've put together that I've gotten from other people normally. Little comments, like here's one. You give your time to what you're most interested in. Yeah. You give your time to what you're most interested in. You know, so that's interesting. You don't belong to yourself. You can't live any way you want. You just got to realize I, I can't just do anything. Some things that I would do would not be evil, but they'd be so time-consuming to me. And this is what, I have it here somewhere, but I've been saying this myself for many years, that distractions, this was a generation that's so distracted. Every, I mean, not just this church, just everywhere I go and travel. People are just so inundated with their time, with their marriage, their kids, their money, their work, on and on I could go. And, you know, it's, I just wonder how they find the church house sometimes. People are just so involved in the whole world. And you can't do that. You have all that you want with God. You can't do it. You're going to have to restrict yourself somewhere. I don't know what to tell you to do. You have to figure it out. i got to figure out my life. I'm still figuring. <laughs> yeah. It isn't sinful to go fishing. I just don't have time. I don't enjoy it like I used to. I'm not putting fishing down. You can go fishing as much as you want. But you can't stay filled with your heart with faith. If that's not happening, you're in trouble. Because there will arrive some things you don't like and you're going to have to put up with it or, or whatever if you don't have faith to deal with it. You know, a lot of things depend on what you've done in the past too. So I'm not trying to freak you out. I'm just talking to you straight. I know, I know one person that passed away. I buried them. And they just had all the right answers when I met with them. But I just knew it wasn't going to work. How'd you know that down here? God said, he's not going to live. So you could try to help him if you, if you want, but it's just not going to work. So I did what I could. I didn't tell him he's going to die because there's a long shot. He might get a hold of God before it happened. Anyway, I'm just talking to you. I'm not talking about death anymore. You put me on the down low here. Hang on. You have to become skillful with the equipment in your office to get into all the phases of your ministry. See, I can't remain the same Michael I was 20 years ago and be here today. I wouldn't have done that. I'd been backslidden or at least where I was 20 years ago. God, there's always expression of life in people that move forward. Yes. Amen. You know, there's always, you got you to take a bit, you can't take it all maybe in one chunk. It may be too much for you. Yeah, just talking to you. You got to learn to rest. You got to learn to pray right. You got to learn to think right. You got to learn to believe right. Just the basics, some people don't even have that. They don't even know how to talk. And they don't know how to believe God correctly. Yeah. So you don't get it just because you say you believe. That doesn't mean you believe. Yeah. You have to believe you believe. You have to know the scriptures enough to base that on to have enough faith to develop something. But anyway, 
Learn to balance your schedule so you can develop your gift and bring your supply to the body of Christ. Think about that. Everybody has a supply to bring. You've got to balance your schedule somehow so you can develop whatever you have in you and bring your supply to the body of Christ. Bad habits keep you out of the phases of ministry. Bad habits. And I mean, I have feelings. I just don't let them rule me anymore. You know, I'm just talking to you. I don't know if you believe it or not, but that's what I do. And uh, you just have to learn to put down some things and get fed more in the Word of God and, and acting like that and doing that, doing what the Word says. You know, it says here, when you bring your supply to the body of Christ, then you put yourself in position to receive God's supply for you. Yeah. I mean, if I had stopped to think about some of the things I've done recently financially, and I'm, not talking, I'm just talking about blessing humanity. I would have never done some of it. But I've already broke that barrier several times. I just keep on moving. I have told you this a hundred times. I stay on the given side of life. I don't talk a lot about the reaping. It just comes with it. If you really sowed in faith and you sowed it in love, then the Bible says you'll reap. That is to be included in that. And you sow it. I'm not sowing to get, but I'm just sowing it. But if I give with a true heart and a good motive, I'm not trying to be rich. I'm already rich in God, in God, you know what I mean? He became poor that I might be rich. That's what the Bible says. Or I have a full supply. What does that mean? That means whatever I have need of will come to me. Amen. If I stay being a giver and loving people and doing my best to help people when I can. Hallelujah. God told me not to talk about money too much to the body of Christ. I am tomorrow, so you just have to forgive me in advance. And if you come tomorrow, I'm going to stretch you. And if you don't want to be stretched, you could either stay home or just close your ears when I'm talking. I don't care. I mean, God stretches me every time I go to him. He never lets me stay as is. That's why I move, because he doesn't let me stay this way. All right, so I'm going to do a little bit of coaxing you a little bit. To try. If you're interested in doing that, yeah. You know, if you never get challenged, you never grow. You ever think of that? Yeah. Yeah, I remember, you know, I remember when my wife passed and the devil, he came into our room there and he said, now you just ought to go home too, Michael. And Jesus just interrupted him just immediately when he started talking that way to me. I mean, I'm looking at my wife's body. She's laying there. She's not there anymore. She's in heaven. And he said, I win. And man, he just made me so mad. And the Lord said to me, Michael, you told me when you were 38, you'd stay in the earth and do what I told you to do until I was done with you. You can't go home now. I'm going to hold you to your bird. That's what he said. He's kind of strong with me. I appreciate him being strong. Not a weak God. He said, you've held me to my word for 40-some years. I'm going to hold you to yours. You told me when you were 38, you had that pain in your side. You said, I, I finally decided I'm going to stay in the earth and do what you tell me to do until you're done with me. Then I can come home. He said, so knock that stuff and deal with him right now. And I said, Satan, you, you lost. You, you, you didn't win anything. She went to heaven. You got kicked out. She's going to be there the rest of her life, the rest of eternity. So you didn't win. You lost. And you shut up and get out of here. Do you really say that? I really say that. And if they were standing out by my door, they heard it. I don't think the door was open right then. It was, you know, early in the morning, uh, the nurses had already been by and left. Anyway, I'm just talking to you. You got to speak to things. See, the Bible says you learn to answer things right. That little verse in Job even mentions that, Job 32, 20. You have to answer things that talk to you because if you don't, and the Lord just butted in on me and I was so glad he did. He said, I'm going to hold you to your word, Michael. You've held me to mine. I said, you got me. And I will honor my word to you when I was 38. How many years ago has that been? That's been a while back. I'm 73. Let's see here. 
people's lives depend on us, the ministry now I'm talking about, or a helper in a ministry. People's lives depend on us hearing from God. We, are, we have a responsibility to hear from God and to be with Christ. Right. See, and that's true. I mean, I'm not teaching you something I don't know. I'm teaching you what I know, trying to help just enlighten some people and help people to understand God's got a lot for us to do yet. Yes. Don't think about going home. You think about it long, long enough and you'll start going. <laughs> I just know how that works. Obeying the Holy Ghost gives you longevity. Longevity is attached to you bringing your supply to the body of Christ. It isn't just money. It's your, you, you as a person. I don't, I don't, I'm a lot of you do a lot of things around here, and I'm very thankful for you. And some of you, maybe you just come and sit, but that's not a good way to live. You haven't brought anything. Anyway, just yourself, and we appreciate you bringing yourself, but it needs to be more than that, that you really love Jesus. He's going to put you to work <laughs> some area or another. Okay, I'm going to take heed to this one, and I, I think I'm going to quit talking about this and go to my scripture. i got a couple of scriptures. Some ministers preach too long and use up all their strength and then they're too tired, tired to yield to the Holy Ghost when he wants them to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. So, all right, I'm going to do what I said. Now, I've got a couple of scriptures I wrote down when I was waking up from a little nap. In Matthew 14, that's where I asked you to go, I think. Matthew 14, verse 34 through 36. And when they were gone over, this is Jesus and a couple of disciples, uh, when they came over to, uh, into the land of Gennesaret, and when the men of that place had knowledge of him. Now I'm pointing something out. The men of that place had knowledge of him. They didn't just know about him. They had knowledge of him. There's a difference. They had not, somebody had told them he was a healer and a deliverer, and they had that knowledge in them. And they sent out into all the country, watch this, round about and brought unto him all that were diseased. It was something for everybody. If they needed it. And brought about unto him all that were, they didn't say, yeah, you fit, you fit, you don't, you don't, you don't, you do, you don't. They didn't do that. If anybody had anything, they tried to get them to come to Jesus. And verse 36 tells us, besought, they besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. I think the Amplified says uh, completely restored, something like that. So think about that. All the people that were sick came to him, and the, whoever the men were of that city, they had knowledge of him. They just went to all their friends and relatives and people they knew and said, come on, we're going to go see Jesus, and we're going to see if we can touch the hem of his garment, and, and as many as did. So I don't know how many there were. There could have been 100, there could have been 500, there could have been several thousand. I don't know. It doesn't say. I don't know the, the population of Genesaret anyway. But the point I'm making is whoever did it got it. They made a point to stretch themselves. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. And so, and we find out that's pretty powerful. And let's go over to, to Mark a minute, chapter 5. Just a couple of scriptures to remind us of what we're going to do here in just a minute. Uh, mm -hmm. Let me see here. Mark, Mark 5, uh, fifth chapter. And be starting at verse... Um, well, let me see here, uh, 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. So this is a man that has reverence for Jesus. I can see that immediately. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter's lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may live. She may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him. 
and much people followed him and thronged him. So that's a pretty big amount of people. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, notice she had been suffering for 12 long years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. That's a pretty, as Jordan taught us today, it's a pretty hopeless situation right there. When you spend all your money, we don't know she could have been wealthy when she started. And I'm not bad-mouthing the doctors. They deserve everything they get, but at the same time, you know, it probably costs in like it does now. Yep. It's expensive. I didn't have Blue Cross Blue Shield, I don't think, back again. <laughs> or Aetna or whatever you got. And when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now, I think as the Amplified Bible says in verse 28, she continued to say, she continued to say, which is she say, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. So she was saying that for, for before she ever got to him. Yeah, right. Think about that. Yeah. She was saying that to herself, and she could hear herself saying it. Maybe people around her heard her too. I think she was speaking out loud. She said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing that virtue, the real word there is power, in the Greek, his power went, he says the power went out of him and, and turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples kind of made fun of him. You see the multitudes wronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done that. Evidently, he knew by the spirit it was this lady right here. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, that she'd quit bleeding, came and fell down before him, told him all the truth. And he said unto her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Think about that. Your faith will make you whole too. Amen. My faith will make me whole. Yes. Now, there's a, there's a thing that works in this. I think it's called synergy in the secular world. The two or three people get together. I'm just using that as a reference here. And you believe together that could get done sometimes. But you have to have some faith on you to attach yourself to what I'm releasing right. if, you, if you get my meetings. And Jesus said the same thing. And it's in Romans. I wrote a whole book on it. It's called Impartations on my book table. Probably one of the most more more uh, intense books I wrote, I felt like, on how to get a hold of that and how to receive an impartation and all that. And he said that we have mutual faith. In other words, I have faith as the man of God right now. I'm just talking about me to release what I have and you have faith to take it. Amen. You can feel anything. You might, you might not. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me whether you fall on the ground or not. That's not impressing me. I just want to know that you're getting it. Amen. That you're receiving what you came for. If I didn't have it, I couldn't give it to you. So... That's why I talk a little bit about my mantle. I was, I was insecure about it at first, but I realized I need to talk more about it because God told me to yeah. and not be concerned what people think. Right. Yeah. I know I preached on angels for 40 years, uh, actually 42 years, and I got the feeling because the last two years I about taught that everywhere I went, everywhere I went. And some of the people that know me well have heard me say the same message 20 times probably. But I can't let that bug me because you heard it 20. You're just up, you're a little more up on it than most human beings. Yeah, I, I just don't, I don't see that taught. I mean, I, when some people relate to me sometimes and say, I know a guy teaches on it. Well, that's great. I hope he's accurate. Yeah. But this church is a, is a home for this because the Lord spoke to us many, many years ago if you were part of the church back then. I had prophecy. Tongue and interpretation here. And God told me, and I told you, you were in the service that this has become a habitation for angels, this, this sanctuary here. And if you were with me, recently I told Jordan, you're going to have to talk to that angel. I'm not the pastor anymore. He was assigned to this church. He wasn't assigned to me. He was assigned to me only because I was pastor here at that time. 
and I figured it out. Every church has an angel assigned to it. If it's a real church, now somebody could start a church, be a good businessman, be smarter than some of us preachers in their head, and people would, wouldn't know the difference. But yeah. you're not going to have a supernatural church like that because yeah. they're all heady people. You've you got to have faith in God to get yeah. done what we do now. Yeah. I'm doing my best to stay out of my mind. Yeah. Other than driving my car and stuff like that. You know what I mean. I'm not stupid. <laughs> and I don't close my eyes and pray going down the freeway. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Just all. all right. So he said to her, uh, daughter, your faith hath made you whole. You know, if he said that to her, because he's not a person of uh, partiality then your faith would make you whole. My faith makes me whole. And sometimes we go through changes physically. You know what I mean? Where you have a little symptom or something that tries to attach itself. And you have to maybe stand a few days or maybe longer. I stood 14 years when I had that pain in my side. When God said, you're just about, you're just about ready to come to heaven, Michael. You better figure this out. And I said, well, I'm going to have to get back to you. And then I got tickled at myself. Well, I can't talk to him about it. He's not listening anymore. Because I said to him, can we talk about it? And he said, no. I'm telling you, your hologram's almost complete up in heaven. That little, last little bit's still hanging. And if you get that connected, whether you want to stay or go, you're coming. So you need to figure out quick what you're doing or you're coming home all, right now, real soon. And I'm just being serious. I'm serious. It was kind of funny, though. I said, well, I can't talk to God about it. He's not listening. Are you listening to me? What do you do in that case? You've got to figure it out. I decided, okay, and finally after two weeks, what were you doing? I was thinking about what he said to me. So I, I went back to him and said, okay, I'm ready to pray and talk to you about this. I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay in the earth as long as you need me. And if I have pain till I go to my grave, I'll just have to deal with it. I didn't, ball, I didn't scream at him because he didn't heal me. I don't know what was wrong, but I, couldn't, I wasn't able to get it right then. I had to, felt like I had a javelin through my front coming out my back. And I... I couldn't hardly take medication enough to kick it in the butt to do me any good. And I brought it back to the doctor. I said, I don't want that. I don't want to become a pharmaceutical addict. I was a real addict at one time, and I don't want that. So if you haven't got anything else, I guess I'm through with you. You know, I'm just trying to be nice. But he tried to, but see, that narcotic was too intense for me. I didn't want to come dependent on it. And finally, it didn't get, all the pain didn't go away even when I took it for a week or two. But I said, I'm not going to do that to myself again. I'll become a pharmaceutical addict. A lot of people are pharmaceutical addicts, and they, they wouldn't admit it. But, and, you know, and you see, I always had that tendency, so I knew wherever I was going to go with that if I could stay with it. Just got to be smart enough to know yourself a little bit. So I just went back and said, okay, I'm going to stay in the earth as long as it takes till you're done with me. And he brought that back to me just a year ago when I was with my wife, when she left. I just thought that was amazing. He said, I'm going to hold you to your word for a change instead of you holding me to mine all the time. I said, you got me. I'm listening, and I will honor that word with you. Yes, sir. And that just changed the whole situation. You know, when you watch somebody pass, it's a major deal on your head if you loved them dearly. I wouldn't. Anyway, praise the Lord. Okay, let's go over to Mark 11. I got one more passage, and this is it. And then I'll be glad to minister to people. You know, if you need prayer for healing or something like that, I'm going to pray for you, but... Mark 11, this is when Jesus cursed the fig tree. He didn't cuss it, he cursed it, okay? And it began to wither and die. And then, let's see, let's go up here to, uh, what does it say here? 
they were, verse 18, they were astonished at his doctrine. And when they even was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree that he'd already told to die, dried from the roots up. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which you cursed. You've got to get your words involved with things too. And it withered away. And Jesus answered unto them, Have faith in God. Or one translation says, Have the faith of God. For I verily say unto you that whosoever shall say, notice whosoever, that means all of us. You don't have to be a preacher to say, you just have to use your mouth. Unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, which he, excuse me, what he saith, that shall come to pass and he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And the next verse is, you need to forgive everybody. It says right here, when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any. So that's a killer right there. Unforgiveness will just mess you up. I would say strife, resentment, hatred. If you get that far, I hope you didn't. But, you know, you have to turn that around if you hate somebody for some reason. There's no reason to do that. You, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. So we should, we should, this is in the context of what you say and forgetting answers to prayer. When you stand praying, forgive. Amen. So, you know, you ought to just make it a part of your regular routine if you, whether you're standing or sitting. I don't think that was the issue. I think the issue was he was saying it doesn't take long to do that because you couldn't stand forever and not forgive. Yeah. See, so you could just say, I forgive everybody of everything. That's what I say. For all the people that did me wrong in the past, I've already forgiven them. And I went to the future one time. I said, I'm forgiving all these people too because I know there are going to be some people I run into that I'm, they're going to irritate me. And I'm not going to take it to heart. I'm not going to be mean about it. Thank you so much. I was at the airport one time. And a guy had a briefcase that probably cost what my car, car cost me. I don't know. And he was just giving this girl what for at the check-in thing. And she started crying, and some other lady came out of the back room. She came and said, sir, I don't know what your problem is, but we don't have first class on this flight. <laughs> I want first class. He said, well, then you should have got another airplane. This ticket is for this plane, and it doesn't have first class. It only has business. So we don't have a ticket for you. We can mark one place first class, but you're not going to be in first. You're going to be in here with everybody else. <laughs> and he was such a smart aleck. And he just met... He, uh, I wanted to say something so bad or trip him when he had those fancy cowboy boots on. <laughs> True story. And so he finally left. He was just, he was a, he was a mess. And I stepped up and the lady was still crying. I said, I'm so sorry he treated you that day. There was no cause for that. I didn't do it and I don't approve of what he did. You want me to go catch him and beat him up? No. <laughs> I didn't say that. I thought about it, but I didn't know. Anyway, he just kind of throwing his weight around, just like he owned the whole airport. I don't know. But the girl did, couldn't have a, didn't have first-class ticket for that flight. It was all just regular flight, you know. And so, anyway, I, she said, well, I tell you, you're a pretty kind person. I said, I'm just apologizing for him. He's, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm sorry he insulted you and yeah. did all that. I really apologize. And I said, if you don't want to handle me right now because I know you're wiping your tears, then I'll just go down to the other girl. She said, no, I can handle it. You've been nice. I'm going to get you a ticket, get it worked out. So she did. I didn't yell at her. You know what I mean? Some people just get that way sometimes, don't they? Get a little ugly and throw their weight around and everything. And no sense in that. How can you get on a first-class flight that don't have first class? <laughs> you going to set up with the captain, or what are you thinking here? 
Some people just ask for something that doesn't exist. But anyway, he kind of irritated me a little bit. But I forgive him. You know. Okay, uh, somebody can come move this for me if you would. And Jessica, I'd like you to go ahead and do that song I asked for. And I want you to all stand up with me. Thank you. You've stayed with me a long time. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacob's travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.